Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. It's all free and you will find program and registration details at www.radiodaysafrica.co.za. Earlier today, uh, we were on uh, just over 400 registrations for today, which is great. If you're here from outside South Africa, please do send us a note in chat. We'd like to see who's in the room. I've just got four points of housekeeping before we get underway with the panel. Um, please join the discussions. There will always be opportunities to make points and ask questions through the chat function. In fact, we've created a facility to send for you to send us a voice note with thoughts or comments. The number would be 079-528-0000. If you're dialing from outside South Africa, that would be plus 2779-528-0000. As I like to say, tweet early, tweet often. Let's spread the conversation on social media. The hashtag is RDA2020. And just so you know, we are recording the conversation so people can listen back um, afterwards. A couple of words of thanks before we get properly underway. Firstly, and perhaps most importantly, to our long-standing and generous backer, the Sub-Saharan Media, African Media Program of the Konrad Adenauer Foundation, whose ongoing and generous support makes, has made the event possible for many years. We're also grateful for the support of Iono FM for helping us with podcasting and streaming, the Abundant Media Group, who are distributing the conference proceedings to community radio stations around South Africa on their Vivid channel. So that's an innovation. We're live um, on several community radio stations as we speak. Uh, we're grateful also to RCA Sound Software, to Crossfade Studios, and of course, to the National Association of Broadcasters. Thanks to all of those. Next, let me welcome Nadia Bulbulia, who is the Executive Director of the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, who are a longtime friend of the Radio Academy and of Radio Days Africa. Nadia is going to speak to us and welcome us also. Over to you, Nadia. I, seem, I see we seem to have lost Nadia. Let me see whether the tech team can get her back, um, and we'll we'll come back to that in a second. Um, we've themed the conference, and today the new normal. The phrase has come to be quite widely used to describe the strange new world that we're in since a few months or so. There are face masks everywhere, even in countries that not so long ago were outlawing face coverings if they were worn for religious reasons. We've all become amateur epidemiologists and more or less adept at using video conferencing software. In broadcasting, many studios are deserted and on-air talent is broadcasting from their bedrooms. All the while, the world is facing the biggest economic crisis in a generation or more. We're hoping the discussion will shed some light on what the new normal is for radio. Hence, I suppose, I'm also hoping that we will be able at some point to get back together in the traditional way. Personally, I miss coffee and pastries under the oaks. Let me introduce um, the panel. Um, and we'll see whether we are able to get the welcome in a second. Uh, it's being attended to. So the, the panel is as follows. Firstly, there is Nada Wachella, who is group executive for radio at the SABC. She started in community radio some 25 years ago and bring tons of experience to the discussion. And of course, she also brings the authority of speaking 
to the stations that have really the biggest audience um, in the country. By the way, I'm not going to read lengthy bios. I think you can find them. You will have seen them on the on the Zoom link, um, and um, uh, you can also find them online. But just a line or two. Secondly, we have Hasina Kasim, who is the station manager at the youth station YFM. Hasina qualified as a lawyer, but then fortunately she saw the error of her ways and she went into radio. Then we have Jackie Lawrence, who is founder and director of Highlands FM Radio, a radio station based in southern Tanzania. We hope that you'll tell us a bit more about the station in the discussion shortly, Jackie. You're very welcome here in this, um, at this event. And then finally, there's Matt Deegan, who's creative director of Folder Media in the UK, which runs children's radio station Fun Kids, supports innovation and manages DAB multiplexes. Um, Matt was actually with us at Radio Days Africa a couple of years back and talked about Fun Kids. So let me just see whether um, we're able to get Nadia with the welcome. Otherwise, we'll go into um, the discussion. No. It seems she's been lost, but we'll try and recover her. So let me um, turn to the, let me ask the panel then, in turn. I'd like you to start by just talking about what the new normal looks like for radio, wherever you are. Let's start with Nada. What does it look like at the SABC, um, this new reality that we're dealing with? Uh, we've lost... Nada as well. Uh, Nadia seems to be back. Let me just wait for that to <laughs> settle um, before we rely on it. Nadia, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Let me let me ask you to then to to make your welcoming comments. Um, Thank you so much. Back to the to the panel. Apologies for the up and backwards and forwards. This is all a new world for us. Nadia, over to you. Thank you so much, Franz, and hi, everyone. I'm not too sure if you're able to see my share screen. I seem yes, to be. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, I think I just wanted to say congratulations again to you, Franz, and your team for bringing this 11th edition to us under extremely difficult circumstances. Um, to welcome all the participants who are here online. This is really indeed a virtual world we're living through. Um, also, just to say that I think we agree the coronavirus has really brought into sharp focus the levels of inequality, both domestically and globally. Um, so while some of us have been able to get online and continue to work during these really challenging times, the majority, a large number, have simply not been able to, to work due to, obviously, um, a lack of access to the internet, a lack of devices, etc. I think the other thing I wanted to say around this incredible theme of yours, which is the new normal, is that we've all had to adapt and we've had to move very swiftly to find new ways uh, to, to make sense of all of this. During this extraordinary time, I think we've also quickly had to realize new words. It's part of our, our, our everyday language now, PPE, physical distancing, shielding, masking, sanitizing, constant hand washing. Um, and the impact of this new reality on, on radio is, is certainly going to be discussed with your wonderful panelists today from different broadcasters. Just a reminder that, of course, we're a regulated sector. And as a regulated sector, when our uh, state president announced the national state of disaster on the 15th of March, 
broadcasters were regarded as essential services in that, you know, broadcasters provide, as you know, essential news, information, current affairs, education, entertainment. And in an emergency, broadcasters particularly uh, play a role to, to keep, um, you know, communities, citizens informed, etc. So as the, as the National Association of Broadcasters, we did a quick survey with some of our members, really just to assess how they've done in terms of public service announcements, which was, as you know, a requirement not only by the regulator, but something that all broadcasters, I know globally, um, have been doing. And between the period 26th of March to the 8th of May, um, 19 of our commercial radio stations had just during that period provided almost 72,980 public service announcements. At the same time, during that same period, the public broadcast, and it's great because I know Nada's also on this panel, with their 15 radio stations dedicated more than 47,550 minutes to COVID information. Um, and that again, just talked to the extent to which broadcasters really uh, ensured that they, they responded as effectively as they did. Um, at, at the same time, during the, the kickoff, if you would, of the lockdown, um, our members got together and did an incredible campaign on the anthem. Um, and the first Friday of our lockdown at one o'clock, our members then played out the national anthem and we had an incredible response. People, wherever they were, stood up and sang the anthem. And it was really a sense of creating a community. Um, our members then also launched a free radio initiative, which um, gives free airtime to important campaigns. And the, the most important campaign, as, as we all know, that we really having to deal with right now, which our state president, president also calls the double pandemic, uh, is the high rate of gender-based violence, regrettably. And so our members came together and did an incredible campaign around gender-based violence. And that was really in support of government as well. Um, and to make sure that we were able to communicate very effectively um, opportunities for people to report violence, of course, uh, to find shelters, support, et cetera. And it was really to support government efforts. Um, and of course, for all our members to make sure that they were reaching out uh, more meaningfully to their, to their, to their audiences. Um, we also, as a regulated sector, have been working very closely uh, with different government work streams around ensuring that we're creating um, very credible um, information at this time. I think we're all very familiar with the unfortunate rise of fake news, the unfortunate rise of disinformation. And within our, the regulations of our lockdown period, those, uh, you know, uh, disseminating false news is actually a, a criminal offence. So the one incredible thing, of course, is the regulated sector is that all our broadcasters adhere to a code of conduct and they have been able to um, ensure that they adhere to very strict rules around uh, credible journalism, around ensuring that information that is disseminated um, is truthful, accurate, honest, etc. I think the one thing that we all re are reminded of, of course, is that within this new normal, uh, is our ability um, within the industry to react and respond and to adapt very quickly. And I know that your panelists will talk a lot more to that um, later on, um, France, but I wanted to once again just really congratulate you, welcome everybody who's here. Um, I've had a, an issue with trying to share my slides from this side still. So the clip that I really wanted to put out, hopefully, France, if I could, a little later, we can play it out. It's an audio clip on the GBB campaign. But I'll stop there and just welcome everyone once again. Thank you. Thank you very, Nadia. Thank you very much, Nadia. That was, um, that was very um, interesting, um, just to get some sense of how
this new normal is what the, what the new normal is looking like for for members of the NAB. Um, I, yeah, let's hope that we can play that clip um, in a little while. So let me go back um, to my, to the panel then um, and open the discussion. As I said, there's Nada Wachella, who I hope is now back with us. Um, let me just make sure. Uh, no. Um, but we've got uh, Hasina Kasim uh, from YFM. We've got Jackie Lawrence from um, Southern Tanzania and Matt Deegan in London. So let me then start with Yasina. What do you think the new normal looks like? Or what does the new normal look like um, for, for, for you um, in your particular neck of the woods? Thanks so much for having me, uh, Francine. I'm really, I'm actually quite privileged to be um, a part of this panel discussion. I think, you know, in the last couple of months, we found ourselves in a, in a very strange space. Um, broadcasting as a medium and like the two words that kind of stick out the most is agility and authenticity. Um, I think that as stations or broadcasters, we've almost been propelled into our digital uh, strategies. So you've had uh, stations with uh, medium to long-term strategies around digital and you found that we actually just propelled into that space. Um, from a, I mean, we look at the economic and, and psychological impact of COVID and where we're finding ourselves, I mean, from your staff to, to your listeners and where people are at. Um, radio is basically becoming the companion. And definitely from our perspective, we're seeing our absolute important space to play in, in this new arena and understanding that we need to fulfill a number of, um, of requirements right now. So from, a, from an agility and authenticity point of view, you're almost having to, uh, to adapt almost every day uh, as from, station, from the station perspective, changing your strategy, moving forward, looking at digital as, um, as a complementary medium to, uh, to the broadcast platforms. So there's a number of changes and a number of things that, ha that have happened over the last couple of months. Um, I think the conversation can go on for hours, but where we're finding ourselves as YFM, I mean, in a time when uh, we have, unfortunately, we don't have the research uh, or in-field research that's happening right now uh, due, to, due to COVID, we're finding that our streaming services or our streaming platforms are doing exceptionally well. So we've seen an increase of almost 40% on our streaming. This just goes to showcase um, where listening is and where listeners are, um, that listeners are actually tuning in. We're finding time spent listening has increased. So, I mean, and this kind of corresponds to research that has been conducted in spaces like the UK, where um, they're finding that listeners are tuning in for an hour 45 minutes longer um, than what they usually do or what they usually would have. And we're finding the exact same thing. We're seeing that our listening patterns are changing across the daytime, um, whether it's your, your peak hours um, from breakfast shifting out by an hour later, uh, you've got listeners tuning in for longer periods of time. Um, so I think we're finding ourselves in a, in a very strange space and having to adapt um, very quickly. Um, radio at the moment, I mean, if you had to look at from a psychological impact point of view on our listeners, what are we doing? Radio has a very important place to play or very important part to play in, in the landscape that we're finding ourselves in. 
I mean, just from a, from a YFM perspective, we found in uh, the months of March, February and March, um, the increase in gender-based violence, and Nadia spoke to that earlier. So radio as a collective got together and we in, uh, supported the initiative of the GBV campaign. And um, post that, we found that a lot of listeners were actually calling in and talking about gender-based violence and, and experiences and ordeals that they've had to encounter. Um, in fact, two of our personalities had actually come out and disclosed their horrible ordeals with rape in, uh, in their past. And this was triggered by conversations from listeners. So we're finding that everyone in our, uh, from all of our stakeholder perspective, the, economic, the psychological impact is quite massive. Um, from that perspective, I think what we as YFM have actually resorted to doing and looked at innovation from a programming perspective. So you would now create new programs that weren't actually there. You'd innovate and create uh, conversations that are, that are important to have. So we would launch now a perspective on why, which would essentially be dealing with all the issues that young people face. Um, so radio, to put it into a nutshell, I think radio has to become the companion um, and really resort back to what we were essentially created to do, to connect with the human on the other side, to uh, intrinsically get into the mind's eye of, of the listener and speak to who they are. Um, I think over the last while we've found and we've seen uh, campaigns like uh, run by the Gauteng Department of Education, where, you know, due to schools being closed, they have now started running campaigns on broadcast platforms where they are actually becoming um, educational, educational platforms and running with, um, with schooling curriculum on broadcast platforms. And that just goes to show the important nature uh, of, of radio and where we need to see ourselves. So... From a commercial perspective, I know I'm going on and on, but there's so much to actually talk about. And I think from a commercial perspective, just from trade marketing, from, from, from a marketing perspective, we don't have events anymore, France. And that in itself forced the industry into a space where how do you touch point? Where do you touch base with your listeners? How do you connect with them? Um, and we've had to learn to innovate and to find new ways of actually doing this. If you... Um, Consider how do you engage with your trade? How do you engage with your client base? We've almost gone and resorted back to a very human connection. Uh, relationships are now based on how are you? You know, how are you doing? What can I do to, to serve you? Um, and finding ways to really provide a return on investment. When it comes to our um, our engagements and looking at this curve, this new pattern of listening, you, you can see that the engagements are so much higher. So from a wife in perspective alone, we've seen a 70% increase in our engagement on social media. What does this actually mean and what does it mean to the client base? And I think that's, that's a very important thing to actually be pointing out. So in a time where we don't have research, we are unable to provide the market with um, currency data we are now resorting to the digital platforms and relying on our information that we can basically attain from our digital spaces. Just as an example, and I've mentioned earlier, I mean, we've got a 40% increase in streaming. Um, we've run campaigns over the, last two, over the last three months and found that 
um, a simple campaign like 100 Jacks, where you give him back to your community of listeners. Basically, Trans got 650,000 entries into the competition in a one-week period of time. That's a phenomenal, a phenomenal return. Um, and then we ran the same campaign again in June, and we got more than a million responses. This is in one, in almost, it was 10 days. It was a 10-day campaign. And that just goes to show the power of radio. So with brands that I think are advertising in this time, that are spending, um, com that are commercially spending with, with organizations or with broadcasters, radio broadcasters at the moment, you're essentially having access to listeners for a longer period of time. A showcase from uh, like stats that I've just shared with you around uh, the UK, where there's an hour, 45 minutes of listening time increases. From our perspective, why can, we can see that we've got hours of extended listening. Um, so you're basically having access to an, an, a listenership that's paying attention for a longer period of time, that are resonating with your brand. And ultimately, um, integrated campaigns are working so much better. Um, that's great. Um, those are really great, great figures and, and stories that you're sharing. Thanks so much, Asina. Um, for sharing those YFM experiences. So, I mean, let me, uh, and, and what emerges from that for me, in a sense, is that, is that sense that radio has always been great in a crisis, hasn't it? And Absolutely. Earthquakes or storms or whatever, um, and this is just another crisis. Um, let me uh, ask uh, Nada Wachella from the SABC's point of view. I mean, what does the new normal look like uh, for your radio stations? Are you finding similar um, increases in time um, spent listening and, and, and those kinds of things? Nada. Thank you so much, Franz, for the opportunity. Good afternoon to the panel and uh, other participants that are joining us this afternoon. It has been quite an exhilarating experience for us at, um, at the SABC. Uh, today, actually, I decided to come to the office and take this meeting, you know, in, um, in peace and quiet because I've been working from home. Um, and, and the studios are just deserted. You know, you see one person here and there, and you can imagine how running an outfit as busy as the SABC with everyone now having to be set up um, at home. So people that ordinarily wouldn't have access to laptops and 3G cards and all of those fancy things, we've had to supply them. Um, with, with those um, assets so that they can be able to stay connected and do their work. So you can imagine the, the amount of money that the organization is spending on communication right now. I, I don't think we have even started to quantify it. But um, I, I, I believe, I mean, you've just said that, you know, radio works very well in, in times of crisis. And I do believe, you know, you must never waste a good crisis. We, we're really serving a a, a, a big need in South Africa right now. A lot of South Africans are relying on radio, you know, for, for credible information. And our stations, especially our, our PBS radio stations, the 15 stations that Nadia was referring to earlier, have stepped in, you know, and, and uh, assumed that role of a trusted friend to the communities that are in need right now. Um, for instance, one of the things that we, we, we did when the lockdown was declared was to ensure that we increase educational programs on our platforms, not just any educational programs, but curriculum-based programs to support the children that are supposed to be at school who cannot go to school. And as you know, 
The communities that are serviced by the PBS stations are very impoverished communities in rural areas where data costs, you know, are, you know, are just unthinkable. I mean, people, you know, always have to juggle between data and, and other essentials. Um, and, um, you know, in, in those areas, even schools, even at schools, teachers are not only, when, when things are normal, you find that teachers are not always in front of the kids teaching. So we really had to take this responsibility and play our part. So a lot of our stations have uh, increased their curriculum-based educational programs. A lot of the stations have partnered with the municipalities, with the government departments, with uh, NGOs in their broadcast areas to ensure that they bring to communities, um, you know, credible information and also, you know, just supplies to help people get by during this time. Um, you know, what has also happened um, in the in the SABC, we, we're not known for agility. We're not one of the most agile companies, you know, um, around. But this has really forced us, you know, to 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 stretch our our minds and think outside the box and 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 uh, activate those plans that you know we would make about you know disasters, you know, our disaster management plans. We've had to activate them and we've had to do even, you know, over and above what we had put on paper because nobody had ever anticipated a disaster like what we're going through right now. <coughs> Sorry. So we've really had to dust our plans and, and activate them and do even more <coughs> and do even more. So 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 now um, stations are coming up with ideas you know, to maximize on revenues, our stations like uh, your Metro FMs, Five and Good Hope, our public commercial radio stations, are making sure that, you know, they keep the home fires burning and that they, they um, introduce programs that attract advertisers. Um, for instance, the SABC One and Metro FM Get Together Experience, which is a, a weekend entertainment um, program that is both on TV and on the station Metro FM and sometimes we have 5 FM and Good Hope FM in the mix and just showcasing you know our our DJs and the music and just so people's spirits can be lifted you know um, and and not be so despondent so we've had to come up with innovative ways to attract revenue we've had to come up with innovative ways to stay connected to our audiences Um, Nada, you've just been muted. Uh, we can't hear you right now. Um, just unmute yourself. Don't know how that happened. Can one of the David? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, we can hear you again. I think. Um, sorry, I didn't. I didn't get that, uh, Franz. No, I think you were temporarily muted. We suddenly lost the audio from you. Oh. Um, <laughs> Just the last minute or so, I mean, just a moment ago. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. But, you know, what I was just trying to explain is how, as a public broadcaster, we've had to step in, you know, and play the, the, the role of a trusted companion to our audiences and make sure that we're of assistance, you know, to the listeners that are uh, depending on our station solely as, as a credible source of information. And not just, you know, by, by um, giving out information on air, but by going into the communities and educating and assisting, you know, in a more physical way than just um, on air. 
Great. Thanks very much. I, I, I mean, you've, you've raised so many interesting things that I think we'll come back to. Um, but just quickly before we move on, when you put curriculum material onto an existing radio station, what happens to the audience that would normally be listening to a soap or music or something else? They just go elsewhere. <laughs> you must remember, Franz, that um, curriculum-based education is something that uh, is regulated um, on our PBS radio stations. We, we, we mandated to deliver 30 minutes daily of curriculum-based education. So we'd find that a radio station like Ukose FM, like Shobo uh, and Lisedi, they have 30 minutes in the, in the morning, for instance, um, for um, oh. curriculum-based education. It, it would mostly be programs to support um, you know, caregivers in the mornings and in the evenings they would do, you know, the, the, the normal curriculum, maybe a support to metrics or, um, you know, other grades. So, so it's something that our listeners are used to. But now to get it stretched with another 30 minutes, yes, it, it, it is something that uh, somebody who's not interested in might tune into another radio station, hopefully another SAPC radio station. But it, it's something that our audiences um, are used to, and a lot of them, you would hear, I mean, your, your, your former teachers, you know, calling in to say, no, 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 that's not how we do it. This is how um, it, it should be done. Um, even people that have never gone to school, they would phone in and say, you know what, you know, of, of all the programs on Lissetti FM, I enjoy mostly the, the, the program on economics or this and that, because it used to be my favorite subject at school, but unfortunately I couldn't finish. So, so um, people really understand. And right now what we are doing, um, they, they really appreciate it. We've had so many accolades from our audiences to say our children would be doomed if the SABC was not here, you know, assisting them to catch up with their studies. Great. I mean, it's real public service that, but at the same time, it, it, it must be an opportunity for you, Hasina, uh, to, to snap up some of that audience, perhaps. Um, but <laughs> to, to, to Jackie, I mean, tell us what the new normal looks like uh, in radio in Tanzania. Jackie, are you there? Hello. Yes, here we go. Um, yes. The new normal in Tanzania is something that we really didn't prepare for, just like everyone else. Radio, our radio station is focused on creating radio programs for uh, development. We create radio programs that help communities uh, move from where they are to uh, reach bigger areas in development in their region. Hence, we connect non-governmental organizations, public organizations, and private organizations to rural and semi-urban populations. And we were much more seen as advertising, advertisers from other people's perspective. But ever since the pandemic has started, we have become more of communicators. And what that means is people use us as a tool to reach their crowds. NGOs are using us as a tool to reach the crowds that they serve. Private organizations are using us as a tool to reach the crowd that they serve. No one is advertising anymore on radio. They're more of how do I reach my clients? How do I reach my crowd? How do I reach the people that I serve? And that has become our purpose for the last three months. And on the listener side, we have an increase of listeners greater number of listeners. However, on the production side, 
it's quite expensive to keep people at home. We've had to provide more products, more uh, tools for them to do their work digitally so that they don't have to go uh, verify the news physically. They don't have to verify the news that they're reporting uh, physically to anyone that they serve. And it has been quite expensive on that aspect. However, what we're seeing is that radio is being used more of a tool to reach the people right now, more than an advertising perspective, which we were used to. And that has been the new normal in, uh, in Tanzania for radio. So advertising, radio advertising has simply disappeared, you speak? No one is advertising. <laughs> Very Nobody few people advertising. Not much more communicating. We, we have uh, beer companies telling their people how to get beer at home. We have uh, products companies telling people how they can get products delivered to them at home. Manufacturers telling people how they can reach the, the wholesale unit directly. But advertising has stopped. <laughs> Are you seeing more sponsored slots and sponsored programming by different um, NGOs and brands and manufacturers and such? I can Absolutely. tell you that time in, in South Africa where tips on how to get beer would have gone down very well. We were under a long <laughs> period. There was no alcohol to be bought at all. Um, it would have been very popular here. Thanks very much, Jackie. That's most interesting. And I'm sure we'll come back to some of those themes as we go along. Matt, um, talk to us about the situation in the UK. I mean, wh what's the new normal there? Um, earlier on, people were saying audience figures and, and radio listening generally in the UK has really um, gone, gone up very strongly. Is that, is that what you're finding? Uh, yes, yeah, so thanks for in inviting me to, to be here. I think what's interesting is so much of, of what, what's been shared this morning is just the same. It's just the same here and it's the, the same in lots of other countries too. Um, I mean, for the UK, the UK has been pretty badly hit by coronavirus. Uh, we've had nearly 300,000 cases and sadly around 45,000 people have died. So it's been um, a very hot topic here. We've had a, a lockdown uh, for most of the last 10 weeks, which is only really sort of starting to fade at the moment. But anybody who can work from home is working from home. Uh, and the effect on radio has been, been quite dramatic. In some of the research that Radio Centre's done, uh, what they've seen is... Um, uh, average listening's gone up, a number of stations has gone up, uh, and that's partly because people's habits have changed. You know, we all know that radio is a habitual medium. Uh, we sort of create our radio stations based on knowing where our listeners are at different times, um, and uh, what we've seen is that their habits have, have, have changed quite differently. You only have to look at your own personal habits uh, whether that's getting up later because you don't need to commute somewhere uh, or having the radio on uh, at home to keep you company where it might not be uh, suitable in an office or, or, or in a factory. So I think the first thing we have to do is understand uh, what are the, the changes of our audiences and, and should we change the programming uh, that they hear so uh you know should music rotations be longer because people are, are listening uh, longer uh, should our breakfast shows run um later than than they did previously um calling something drive time is probably not as sensible anymore um and i think for, for lots of countries particularly here in the uk you know we don't see there being uh you know a full return to the old normal probably until the, the new year so 
uh, I think we, we have to adapt. Also, I think just like in South Africa, uh, our audience measurement uh, system, it's called RAJAR here, is going to be affected um, by um, researchers not being able to get out and speak to speak to the people. I haven't exactly announced what's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, there was no new uh, official data um, uh, for the next quarter. Um, you know, how do we deal that for listeners and for advertisers? Uh, is important. I think your streaming numbers can be really useful for that. Um, just as a, a measurement of change. But also, I think you have to be aware that just because people are listening to you on a different platform, it's hard to know how much they've changed because we can't measure the old platform. And so particularly what we've seen here is a you know, huge rise in, in online listening. But is that because people um, have got those devices in home or they've got um, broadband access in home? So there's a lot of understanding that we try we need to do uh, I need to you know, talk to our listeners uh, now that we're sort of settled into this new normal uh, to work out um, how they've, they've changed. I think, uh, as has been said, uh, it's a great reminder of, of how uh, public service, all forms of radio are, be it public broadcasters or commercial broadcasters. And I think it's probably on all of us to remember to tell uh, the governments and our regulators and our advertisers uh, all of this um, uh, as things um, uh, calm down. Uh, what we've seen in the UK particularly is there's been a big decline in uh, advertising spending. It's probably been uh, in the region of 50%, uh, maybe a bit more in, in April. And that's starting to return a little bit. But it's going to be very slow. Um, yeah, the UK radio sector has shifted um, uh, over the last sort of five years to being something that's very nationally driven rather than locally driven. So uh, the BBC, Global Radio, Bauer and the Wireless Group, there are sort of four big operators. They account for 90% of all radio listening in the UK. Uh, so their decisions uh, and what they do on their radio stations uh, ends up kind of being the radio sector. Now, they're probably slightly insured against declines in local revenue because they've got access to national markets. Uh, but that, I think, affects smaller local broadcasters pretty significantly. And also... Um, here we've got a relatively multi-platform uh, radio listening. So 40% um, of our listening is to AM and FM. 40% is to DAB digital radio. Then about 15% is the internet. Uh, and the remainder is listening over digital television. So uh, people are listening to stations in different ways. And because of uh, DAB being so successful here, uh, that they can access a far broader range of stations. So... Um, on, by my bedside, if I do a tune of all the stations I can hear in London, uh, it's um, nearly 100 radio stations that uh, I can tune into. Uh, and, you know, people at home, people have more time, you know, they start to self-schedule. So rather than the radio station doing it themselves, I'm sure that they're choosing different stations to fix mood as well. So I think this, is a, a, this changing human behaviour is what we've got to try and get a handle on, I think, uh, and to see how that should change our stations going forward. I mean, that's a great segue because I think, um, I mean, that's really where we need to start the discussion in many ways is, is to understand how that consumer behavior um, is in fact changing, changing what audiences um, are doing and are doing differently so that one can understand how best to serve them. Um, I mean, as, as people have said, we don't have um, actual uh, audience data at the moment. I was on the Broadcast Research Council website earlier um, uh, and uh, clearly they don't, they're unable to get field workers out, so we don't have those numbers. Um, there is apparently an NAB survey that says there's 35% more listening 
um, or more listening to radio, uh, which is quoted in a media online report. I think in one of the latest sessions in Radio Days, we'll get a bit more insight into that, into that survey. But I'm interested to hear from all of you, really, what you're seeing about changes in, in audience behavior. Um, what are they doing differently? What are they looking for differently? Are they, I mean, people have talked about the psychological pressures of the situation. Are we looking to, are people looking for long stretches of soothing music? Um, what is it that people want? Um, Nada, what is it like at the SABC? What are you finding your audiences are looking for um, in, this, in this extraordinary circumstance? You, you know, Franz, um, we were joking the other day because, the, you know, there's a, a chat group of station managers that I'm a part of, and they were forwarding complaints that they're getting from audiences. And somebody was saying, no, we shouldn't worry about these complaints because it shows that people right now are listening more attentively and they are participating because normally people would listen when they go to work in the morning and when they come back in the afternoon. But now they are listening to... Um, to every program and they are criticizing everything, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's a good thing that we're getting that kind of first-hand feedback from the audiences now. You can really tell that people have engaged now with their radio stations and they are connecting with their radio stations. They're sending suggestions of what uh, should be done on the programs that they are listening to or that, you know, um, they are loyal followers of. So, but, but, but in the whole, people are looking for credible information. People would call to ask um, what time is the president's briefing uh, going to start or, you know, the, 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 the committee that works with the president. They would, you know, the, the crisis committee. So they would call and, um, and ask about, you know, the, the times when we'll be broadcasting particular information and just to test certain things that they see on social media or things that they see on our um, social media platforms. So they're then engaging even more. And I think because SABC is a public broadcaster, there are things that they expect to get from the public broadcaster, like the, the ministerial briefings, the presidential briefings. But they're also looking for, um, for entertainment. Um, they're looking for, for more music. Um, and, you know, they, they would write, send emails, WhatsApp messages and all of that, just looking to have more entertaining uh, music. So you can tell that people are also looking for an escape, you know, in these gloomy times. But, you know, there's something that I want to touch on that my two colleagues have also touched on is the decline in our advertisers spend. You know, it's, 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 it's funny how everybody seems to look at the um, SABC as, um, you know, you know, a platform that should be, you know, distributing things for free. So everybody now, even, you know, people who used to pay to be on the platforms um, and every, everything is a PSA, everybody has an urgent message that they need to get out there and it's a public service message and it should go out for free. And that has contributed tremendously to the decline of revenue. Yeah, I want to come back to this issue of business because I think that's clearly an important point um, and an, an important area of concern. I'm interested to say that to hear you say, um, Nada, that people want more information, they want more uh, briefings, they want more entertaining audio music. What do they want less of? I mean, there's only there are only so many hours in the day. You, you know, they say they say uh, the public radio, your 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 target audience is cradle to grave. So, so it's always a, a fine balance between, 
you know, um, you know, juggling what people really want because you have people, you have younger audiences that are looking for entertainment and you have old people, you have destitute people who, who want information about where they can get help, about, you know, um, what's going to happen to their businesses because we have a, a, a very wide um, network of, of, um, of, of listeners and, and it, it becomes very difficult to satisfy everybody um, but what we what we don't forget, you know, is is our public mandate and ensuring that whatever we package is of use to the to the audiences that we serve. So let me turn to you, Jackie, um, and ask you about about um, audience uh, habits and changes in in Tanzania. I mean, I was interested to see that in um, an article by Ross on Radio. Uh, that in the U.S., I mean, he was arguing that really this crisis has led to a demand for music radio stations to carry news. Um, is there a greater interest um, to, uh, in information than there was before? Or people do people want more entertainment? Or is it a balance of the two? I mean, Nada what wouldn't really answer my question. What do we reduce if we're increasing all of these things? What, what is the change that we're looking at or that you're looking at? In, in Tanzania? In Tanzania, uh, well, the situation in Tanzania is quite different from other African countries because our state is withholding a lot of news from the public, leaving us uh, broadcasters the biggest task of informing the people what's going on in other countries, what's happening and what's not happening. So we're getting up to 5,000 messages a day of just questions. <laughs> news slots. When is the news slot? Why is it so short? We've had to increase our news slots. And now we're on the hour. <laughs> and before it was every four hours, but people want more news. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what to do. They want healthcare information. We've had to pull doctors in uh, every two days, tell people about the situation and how to handle themselves. So it's been a big burden to us, not only to Highlands FM in southern Tanzania, but also to most radios all over Tanzania. And what we're decreasing, music. <laughs> we never thought that we would go through this. We never, we never thought in a single day that we'd have to decrease music and radio, but we have had to. Because every time we get calls from audiences saying, the radio is just playing music. When is the news slots? <laughs> so... It's been a shock to us, but we've had to decrease our music and entertainment programs to cater for the demand for news. But again, this could be because uh, our state is withholding a lot of news concerning COVID-19. Hence, people are now turning to radio to get answers. So, Hasina, let me ask you that same question. Are you also seeing a greater demand for news? Um, and are you responding? And what does that then do to your format as a station? I mean, don't you then change the nature of the kind of broadcasting that you're doing? So, um, France, I mean, from our perspective, we're speaking to a 15 to 35-year-old market. So it's very different in terms of the mandate from what the SABC would perhaps be experiencing. Um, from our perspective, we see that the station is seen as respite um, from an ever-so-challenging period of time. So that's the one thing where we're finding that they're actually asking for or, or appreciating the music um, features that we've introduced, the um, specialized music features that we've introduced over a period of time. But at the same time, um, the youth market are probably the most, one of the most affected 
markets in uh, with COVID. And um, from an unemployment point of view, I mean, we know we've been sitting with astronomical unemployment statistics in the youth market. Um, but then there's also these issues that have come up. And like I spoke about earlier, the psychological impact of COVID and on young people specifically. Um, so we are finding that we, uh, the conversations that we're having, the more real conversations are, are, are getting a lot of traction. Um, we are having to, perhaps it's not very newsish, but it's more aligned to what are the issues and concerns concerns that they're experiencing during this time and are we as a station actually addressing it? So we're finding that the content has become um, a lot more directed towards the real issues as opposed to the lighthearted sort of conversations. Yeah, that's where we're finding it. I mean, uh, which is why, like I said earlier, we've now in introducing new shows, which is unprecedented for us in this time. And it also talks to the agility again, where you almost have to adapt your programming um, your lineups or your programming schedules to accommodate where your listeners are and what they're actually wanting and expecting out of you. So yes, we definitely so, are into that. So does YFM become more serious at this time? Um, I think it's a balance. It's like everything uh, at the moment. You need to kind of strike that balance. So you almost have to look at the moods of the day. Um, in the morning, what are your listeners expecting? Um, it, it, during the day, and I think it talks to generally how radio is really scheduled. Like, how do we program radio? We program according to uh, the mood, the feeling, but more more so towards the market. So, are we actually um, servicing uh, servicing your um, your listenership? Um, so, yes, we are, but we we are, but more serious. But we're tackling issues that are relevant, that resonate, and that are actually needed. Um, I think it's a, there's a time and a place for everything um, where radio should be and how I think as a radio industry, we need to sort of come together and almost maybe not even just the radio industry. I think everyone at large with all corporate uh, organizations come to a point where we are effecting change in society um, and radio has to be at the forefront of those changes. We are, like I said earlier, you're speaking to young people. You have the ability to shape the mindsets of, of the future, of, of leaders of today, of leaders of tomorrow. So how are we doing that? And are we taking that job seriously while still continuing to be the beat of their lives? You know, um, So yes, we, we, we have to get to the point of a real balance. Um, and I think so far we, have, we are successfully doing that. I'm hoping to see positive results after introducing the more serious shows and using our 25% our talk format um, in the most effective uh, way possible. It's a real test of ingenuity and inventiveness, isn't it? Is to find okay. that those formulas that work in these extraordinary times. I was wondering whether this was a time to reintroduce a kind of desert island discs kind of format. But anyway, that's a discussion for the day. Um, I want to move to, um, to the business side, but before I do that, um, let me just acknowledge uh, some of the countries that we have. We have uh, representatives from uh, Kenya, from Ivory Coast, um, from Nigeria, from Zimbabwe, from Zambia, uh, from Yarona FM in Botswana, from uh, Sound City. I'm not quite sure where that is. Uh, we have um, an amateur podcast enthusiast, a Nigerian in Germany, Ruona, a firm former student of ours. Very welcome. Kenya again, um, Nairobi, 
um, Botswana, um, and so on and so forth, Nigeria, Abuja, and many others, Cote d'Ivoire, um, you're all very, very welcome. And just a reminder that we are collecting a couple of voice notes, which we hope to play at the end. If you want to send us a voice, voice note on WhatsApp to plus two seven, if you're outside South Africa, and then either zero, if you're dialing inside South Africa or without the zero from outside, seven nine five two eight double O double O. Um, and a couple of questions um, that have come up. Um, I'll come back to this one about the drive time. Um, uh, DAB, there was a question about DAB, but I think it was dealt with on, in the chat. You can see it there. Um, here's a question. Most people nowadays believe that radio today has lost its meaning as compared to old radio. There is a common trend that radio relies on social media for content. How true is that? Um, let me bounce that at, uh, at uh, Jackie. Um, do you use too many, too much social media? Are you too reliant on social media for your content? Yes, yes, we do rely on social media for our content. And too much? Excessively? Yes. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut across you, Jackie. Do you think yes, you use yes. social media? Yes, we do use social media on our platforms. And uh, mm -hmm. during this time, we have had to excessively rely on it to get feedback and to get uh, the listeners' uh, views on certain matters. Okay. Thanks very much. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Do we use too, many, too much social media? And here's another question. New podcasting culture. Anybody want to pick up on that? So I'm happy to, to add into the social media side of things, Trans. Sure, go ahead. Um, okay, so I think from we speak to a younger market, so I think uh, our our market generally live in on the social media space, and um, our producers would generally use social media, but at the same time use other research tools as well. So it is about again striking the balance of um, using input or discussions and conversations that are trending right now, but also finding a way to use digital as a complementary tool to your on-air or your broadcast platforms. So as an example, if you are having a conversation on air and the conversation then continues onto your social media platforms, that conversation you are extending beyond your, your, your five-minute link or your three-minute link. And what that means is that you're able to pick that conversation up and create story arcs for later on. So you'd use engagement that happens on the social media space as um, a, a way in which you can curate new content. So it's, it is about balancing the two. I think radio has always been good yes. at re reflecting people's lives um, and what they're interested in. And in the past, we might have used clips from TV or, or cinema, um, you know, use what, what's been reported in magazines and things like that. And I, you know, so I think social media is um, an extension of that. I think you've got to be, it's always a careful balance of not um, 
constantly talking about social media, which suggests to a listener, why are you listening to this? Why don't you just follow all these people on, on Instagram or Twitter? I think also there's a good opportunity uh, to you know, use, particularly on Instagram stories, you know, audio from those platforms um, to uh, enhance bulletins or entertainment news or breakfast shows or anything like that. Um, and to, to use the media to, to, satisfy your listeners rather than use it to just send traffic to um influencers i think on on the podcast side i think it's a good example that uh you know listeners and consumers who access to lots of different media uh, and they get to choose how it's used you know radio historically uh, had monopoly on providing you know music entertainment for free to to people across our countries uh, and i think sometimes we perhaps forget that that monopoly has, has disappeared. Um, and uh, I think we can definitely learn something from both social media and from podcasts because they've approached things in a different way. It's not all entirely right for us all the time, uh, but uh, some of it can can provide value. I think podcasting is a pretty good place to find talent. Uh, people who've um, you know made hundreds of hours of material uh, and have improved, and you can see that improvement and that, that might provide uh, extra benefits to your radio station uh, and also as a way to 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 reach new audiences people with large podcast audiences or social media following can be quite good to 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 drive trial and consumption of radio stations thank you very much um so just a reminder my name is franz kruger i'm in conversation here with nada wachella of the sabc hasina kasim of yfm jackie lawrence of highlands radio in tanzania and matt deegan of Fun Kids Radio and Folder Media in the UK. Uh, please do put um, points and questions um, on the chat or in the Q&A if you like, um, and we'll try and pick them up. Um, let's turn to the money side. Um, and a couple of you have alluded to that. I mean, Jackie mentioned the disappearance of um, classical advertising. Um, I mean, what's to be done? We we hear um, Kajiso stations have frozen their rate card here. We have retrenchments looming at the SABC, although maybe um, that was in the works uh, long before COVID hit us. I think there are about 600 people about to be retrenched. Um, Nada, what's going on there? I see mention of, um, what is it called? The target operating model. I don't know what that is. I'd love to know. Um, what's happening at the SABC? Have you given um, up on public money or advertising money? Look, we, we, we can never give up on the advertising money. The funding model of the SABC has always been problematic because we have this burden to deliver all these um, um, programming, you know, um, regulations that we, we, we get from ICASA, a lot of them that are not revenue generation because it's not interesting content to the advertisers, even though it serves a very important um, function to their audiences. But um, we have never really been able to monetize our 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 mandate, um, and 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 looking at that, and you know, um, the the new executive at the SABC really thought there is there is not much we can do, you know, around the funding model. It looks like we're still going to have to rely, you know, eighty five percent on advertising revenue um, rather than government or. or television licenses and therefore we have to be prudent about how we spend money at the SABC. I mean our structure has been bloated for years. You are right. The section 189 of retrenchments is something that we 
we've had discussions around even before COVID-19. And it's come back to the table now because of what we're going through. Like I mentioned before, advertising has uh, plummeted almost 50%, um, just like in the UK. But uh, it, it, it's nothing that we've, um, we've ever anticipated. And it now makes it urgent for us to look at our target operating model. The issue of skills as well and, and, and digital skills specifically, that's another thing that we've kept on postponing um, in the SABC. And right now we're operating in an era where we've had to all be digitally savvy. You know? so, so this is an opportune moment to look at our operating model and see where we can make adjustments and ensure that the skills that we have in the organization are skills that support our, our revenue generation drives and um, also the digital migration. So it's, it's, it's been quite tough. Um, a lot of the advertisers also are not making money and therefore they have no money to spend in advertising. And, and in fact, a lot of them could not advertise because if you calling people to a shop, you know, uh, for specials, then you're going to get more fit to the store and, you know, um, you, you cannot service everybody because of the limitations that were there. And, and some of the advertisers that have been advertising with us for many, many years, you know, have had to close shop. So that affects us. Of course, as everybody else. So in one sense, what is different about the target operating model? It's about the skills. It's about creating, you know, um, a structure that um, that resonates with where you are as a broadcaster right now. I mean, we've ha we have um, a bloated structure, top-heavy structure, whereas you know our competitors have more flatter structures and they've invested in people that are responsible for their product on the ground and not. You know, we, we, we're at a situation where we have managers um, in very senior positions that have very small teams that they oversee, you know. So instead of investing that money on scaling the people that are actually um, producing the content that we take out um, to the market and in people that sell our products, you know, we've invested in, in managers. So that's what we're trying to change. So a more streamlined structure, better, better match to the skills. Last time you tried, tried to retrench, um, there, there was no political support. You had to stop. Is it going to be different this time? We're hoping it's going to be different because it's necessary. We, we cannot continue the way we've, um, we've continued for, for the past few years and hope that we're going to get different results. Thanks very much. Um, Matt, uh, here was a question in the chat from, uh, from Zoli, I think Zoli Mapipa, um, who wants to know what the selling strategy should be if indeed there is a kind of flattening of drive time. Is underwriting being uh, considered as a form of revenue? Um, has it been tried elsewhere as it is uh, quite common in, in some stations in the, in the US? What's the selling strategy? Uh, so listener-supported stations isn't uh, really something that we have here. Um, we, we're in a market where you know, the BBC have half of all listening. Uh, that's driven by a, a compulsory license fee. Uh, and the rest is is mainly uh, commercial radio. There's a small amount of community radio here, but it's mainly commercial radio. I, mean, I think what we've what we've seen is is there used to be 
uh, a few hundred local radio stations, and that's pretty much slim, slimmed down into sort of 10 national networks that have local opt-outs for local news travel uh, and adverts. Um, and that, that shift is, has been quite dramatic here. Um, I think we've just seen from the, the three main radio groups uh, here have announced uh, job losses and redundancies, uh, and they're having to look at uh, readjusting their businesses because the, the advertising revenue has, has seen um, a decent decline, strong decline. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, I don't think the, the strategies of selling will be particularly different. I think there's a bit of waiting for, for customers to be in, in the right place to, to, to buy advertising. I think showing and proving the value of radio advertising is always hugely valuable. Uh, we have an organization called Radio Center here uh, that represents commercial radio that does a great job of communicating to large agencies and advertisers the, the value of radio. And I think we've got to use um, you know, what we've done over coronavirus to be able to uh, communicate this relationship that we have with audiences. You know, I think it's been touched on a little bit. Uh, you know, we we are multi-platform businesses in radio. You know, we have our radio stations, we have our social media platforms, we have our websites, we might have podcasts. Um, you know, different advertisers see value in 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 you know different platforms. You know, we, we've always been in the audience business, and that biz, that audience has tended to come from transmitters. Uh, but that's not to say that. That we're fixed of that being our, our model you know our audiences on on social or web are people that can be monetized as well um and uh where we haven't maybe had to use that so much because radio has been strong or it's been where our our key skills are i think you know this is an opportunity to to rethink that, that and think where are all our audiences across all of our platforms uh, and are some of those platforms better suited to to other advertisers? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just the the evolving the evolving nature of uh, uh, our businesses and the way that we reach audiences. Do you think that there may be a shift of of gravity in a sense from the on air um, audiences to online audiences in terms of income streams? Um, I think there'll be a natural shift because probably our broadcast audiences have been a disproportionate percentage of our revenues um, uh, because we haven't marketed our large audiences on our other platforms. I don't think there's anything, there's anything bad about radio. It just means that we've suddenly got new opportunities to, uh, uh, to reach groups. Um, I think particularly some of you know, taking our audiences and applying the targeting of you know, Instagram or Facebook can provide a sort of double hit, I think, and uh, and can be valuable. If a, you know, I run a, we have a few businesses here, but I run a, a children's radio station here in the UK, and you know, the vast majority of our campaigns are multi-platform campaigns. You know, there is something on air, but there's also something on the website or an email newsletter or, or social, and our um, advertisers are buying into all of our audience reach, and I think that's um, that you. Know, Fun Kids is a relatively new entrant in the market. And so we sort of built an audience up from scratch across all those platforms. And I think heritage broadcasters maybe haven't had to think about that. Um, but I think today's a great opportunity to, to really think about all of the places you reach people, what you put out, content on all those platforms. So is it the right content in all of those places? You know, sometimes you know, YouTube can be a dumping ground for video rather than there be a, a video strategy. Sometimes, um, you know, does social media reflect your brand? Um, uh, is, it, is, it, is it doing what you want to do to reach audiences? So I think it's a good opportunity to, to reflect and, and think about that at the moment. 
Asina, I mean, uh, I mean, for a long time, there's been interest in in the kind of money that's available online, and traditional media actually haven't made a lot of money online simply because of various factors have, that have to do with with um, people's, I suppose, people's being accustomed to getting content free um, online to a large extent. Are you putting new emphasis on 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 online revenue streams? Do you think that there's a great opportunity there, or is there just not enough money around all told? Um, no. I think there's a decline in revenues. Matt, and, do you want to respond to that? And then I'll ask Asina. Matt, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I think there's a, uh, been a decline in traditional revenues and obviously a, a move, particularly here in Europe, to be you know, Facebook and Google. Um, I think trying to find new ways to reach audiences is important and how you, how you um, have a good offer. You know, radio stations can be very strong in those places. And I think combining... Uh, you know, our, our presenters, you know, their social media, our social media to, to communicate messages can be very strong. Cool. Hasina? Okay, so I think uh, from, from the way I see it, I think each station would have to curate their own formula that works because every, every station is going to have a different um, audience or a different market and the engagement on the social and digital platforms are going to be different to each other. Um, and I can see for, from Matt's perspective, looking after a younger a station with a younger audience, um, you know, a 360, camp, 360 campaigns actually work. It makes sense. Um, from our perspective, like I said, we speak to a younger audience and finding our, our online communities have increased um, drastically and dramatically over the last over the last year. I mean, wife and alone, we're sitting with uh, across. Um, normal traditional uh, measurements, as well as our online platforms, more than 2 million people. So how do you find, and we're finding that we, when taking a campaign and using a 360 approach, it actually provides a better return on investment to your client base. At the same time, your, your listeners are now provided with content that they appreciate. As, and at the same time, the station in itself is now benefiting from two two revenue streams that are now existing. The difficulty, and I think the balance that needs to, we need to always maintain is ensuring that one doesn't cannibalize on the other. In looking at the digital platforms and your digital um, op opportunities, um, you need to make sure that you are sort of ensuring a traditional media is still where we are at. We are commercial players, we are, um, we are radio uh, broadcasters, and we always need to focus on that and use or create a symbiotic relationship with the digital platforms that exist um, by not one cannibalizing on the other. So there's definitely each station, I think, would find their own formula and what works. Um, from a wife perspective, we found that and we're finding that there definitely are bigger opportunities. We've started playing in that space and it makes sense. So yes, we're looking forward to a future in, in that place. Um, talking to, from a commercial perspective, I think, France, we've seen uh, April, May was disastrous, as you would have imagined, um, mm. across the board. Um, advertising spend has come down drastically. But what I found is working really well is that when you push into a corner, you find opportunities. So I'm finding with my marketing team, with um, the selling team, well, the sales team, they're finding new innovative ways of doing exactly what they did before using bigger budgets um, and actually getting a higher return. So in as much as you're monitoring or measuring your, um, your costs very closely, 
You're also finding that uh, people are becoming, or staff are becoming a lot more innovative in the way in which they use um, the resources that are available. Um, from, a, from a direct business point of view, naturally we are most affected because businesses just couldn't open in this time. So you, you literally, as a station, we found our sales team have had to really think long and hard, work very closely with the programming teams, find new ways in which you can attract um, a client base while still meeting your, your audience objectives. So yes, that's where we, we're actually finding ourselves from a commercial point of view. Some great questions coming in here, both in the Q&A and on the chat. Um, quick, very quick one to you, Hasina. Um, are you, uh, Franklin Hosey wants to know what uh, target percentage of digital income do you use? Do you have a percentage in your overall income for what you'd like to get from digital? So, uh, like I said, we start, we, we've started playing in this space, um, but I think that most stations should work on nothing under than uh, 10%. So start on a lower base and build from there. What we also find because digital budgets across brands are increasing so uh, rapidly, when they, when they see the return on investment, you're going to find the flip happening. So you're still going to find that um, you're going to actually get more digital budget and traditional media is then used as a complementary tool as opposed to how we start off. So that's, uh, the, I think, where people or, or brands need to start thinking from a long-term perspective. Correct. Thank you. And here, a very interesting question from Sakiba uh, Kiba Lekhwati, a colleague here at WITS. Um, to what extent, and maybe this is one for NADA, to what extent are real conversations around COVID also reflected in radio dramas, which are such a popular genre, especially on African language radio? NADA? Um, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, when, when the lockdown started, we had to limit the numbers of uh, people that are coming to the studios. Uh, and as you know, dramas, you know, are produced by external people or freelance actors, you know, who come as, you know, extra people through our, our, our building. So we've had to um, give access to just the core teams at stations to ensure that the stations are on air and we play um, archive material. But uh, a lot of people were asking that very same question. And we've decided to let uh, some of our stations go back to their drama production studios um, to create, you know, those stories that integrate um, COVID information in their drama. So as we speak, some of our soapies have started production and are on air with uh, storylines that now relate to COVID. We've had um, a pause of about uh, a month or two where we were not, you know, producing any new material because we were just limiting the numbers of people in the in the studios. So, so we've we've started um, integrating um, COVID-related information in our storylines now. There's a drama um, waiting to be made about making drama under COVID because that's another <laughs> whole story. Um, Jackie, do you use uh, genres like uh, soaps, dramas um, on? to spread information about COVID? Uh, yes, we do. And it's been rather difficult during this period because we have also been reducing the number of people in our studios. Uh, however, we have partnered with uh, the ministry and uh, a few NGOs to produce uh, dramas concerning COVID-19, which are currently running, but we don't produce them 
ourselves, we have failed to produce anything drama related during this period. Do you, do you see that changing? Do you think that it's going to be possible to produce uh, more drama as, as time goes on? Uh, well, for, Tanz for Tanzania, the borders have been opened and uh, it's going to be business as usual in the next two weeks. So we're going to see how that goes. We're hoping maybe we can work something on producing more drama in the future. But right now we're being hopeful. Great. Thank you. Um, another one here for, for Hasina. Um, what is your experience in terms of audience engagement through, uh, used, through YouTube streaming digital channels? Uh, for example, you have about 500,000 listeners, but about a million Twitter followers, also from Franklin Hazes. Um, yeah, so we've, uh, we've actually seen over the last period, um, from, our, from our engagement, we're looking at 70% increase over the COVID within this new normal period um, in terms of engagements. I think just last week we had a, a video that went out and the engagements exceeded a million. So we are seeing a, a massive increase on that. And yes, there are, and there have always been questions around how does your uh, digital platforms uh, and your communities actually exceed what your radio listenership showcases. Um, it's a question that we always get asked. Um, and the, the simple answer is you're going to find um, from a research perspective, we've got the most accurate research right now that we can possibly have. Um, but what tends to be um, a more factual representation for us is are the engagements that we're finding on our social media space as well as our uh, online communities. So, yes, there has been a massive increase. Great, and you were giving us some of those indications earlier. I mean, of course, as we as we, as we saw, it's very hard to monetize that um, that interest and that traffic. Absolutely, Franz. You know, we've had a we had a campaign um, last year that basically got us an eight percent return, and and that was on a conversion rate using digital online well online platforms as well as traditional media. And an eight percent conversion for a financial institution is is a massive conversion rate. So that's just an indication of the power that we, as radio players, actually sit with using the tools and platforms that are actually available to us. Great. Thanks very much. Um, I, I want to, we don't have a great deal of time left. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes until um, till, till half past. Um, and there are still so many questions. Um, we'll see how many we get to. But I, I do want to um, just talk about innovation. It came up, came up at the beginning. Um, Hasina mentioned the kinds of innovation that uh, programming innovation that they're looking at. And, and I wanted to ask each of you really just to give um, an outstanding example of a new idea um, that's that's emerging. I was um, look, seeing online that the BBC, in fact, is developing um, a um, an artificial intelligence voice um, to, to, to use um, that you know that, that to to be in an opposition to Amazon um, and 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 hey Google and such like. I mean that's really extraordinary. Of course, not necessarily linked to to COVID. But let me ask you very quickly um, to to give an example of the best um, innovation that you that you're aware of. Um, let me start with you, Matt. Uh, I think there's it's, all of the things that have happened is a good reminder that radio can be 
strong when we all work together, both um, uh, public uh, commercial itself, also sometimes commercial and public broadcasters, uh, and also with government too. So uh, we had a new thing that started about a year ago called the Audio Content Fund, and the commercial radio body managed to get some money from the government to support public service programming on commercial radio, uh, doing things they wouldn't normally do or be able to afford to do. Um, and it's about a million pounds uh, a year of, of, of money and for, for three years, which is a huge amount. Uh, and um, what they were able to do by being flexible was make £400,000 of that available for quick turnaround COVID uh, programming. Uh, and I think that went to over 40 broadcasters or groups of broadcasters here. Um, and one, it, it meant money going to freelancers that maybe have, haven't had, had much work. Uh, it's a different source of revenue. So if you're normally 100% advertising, um, then suddenly there, there, there's, there's new money coming in. Uh, so I think it just shows that the value of working together as a sector uh, to get more value from, um, from bodies or organizations to, to help make great shows. In South Africa, the National Editors Forum has just launched a fund um, for fund, you know, to fund journalists who are out of work. Um, as a matter of interest, how big is that fund um, in the UK? So it's a million pounds a year, um, and it's it's uh, it's for three years. So a million pounds a year for three years, so three million pounds, uh, and it comes from a top sliced amount from the, the license fee. So the, the money that normally goes to the BBC, uh, they had some money allocated for digital switchover, which they didn't spend. Uh, and so that, that, has, that has kind of gone into this fund uh, to go to broadcasters. Uh, but also it's meant that a lot of broadcasters, one commission this material from independent production companies. So you as a station don't take the money, but a third party makes the programming for you and you get it for free, which I think is a really interesting model. Uh, also, uh, it supports both community and commercial radio as well. And so there's opportunities for community and commercial radio to work together on projects. And that might be across age or um, ethnic background or um, uh, language uh, and uh, has added a real kind of additional level of texture for, for UK radio. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Um, Hasil, what's the most exciting innovation that you've seen? doesn't have to be. Sure. Okay. Um, Nadia, Nadia is, is sharing her, uh, her presentation. Yeah. I'm going to be very quick then. Um, sure. I'll say that I think uh, radio has found its place. I think we've, we've gotten to a point where we understand the impact that we actually have on, we've gone back to understanding that impact and seeing it materialize has been amazing. So I think being the trusted um, personal companion um, really works and just believing and continuing with on that path. Um, in terms of, I've seen a number of uh, applications that have been developed from radio broadcasters. I can uh, speak to ours uh, specifically and found that creating the community where engagement can um, happen in real time, um, you're no longer taking phone calls and using your app services to really pull voice notes out onto air. Um, you are able to create community of chat conversations um, in the space. So I think that's, uh, those are the type of things that are coming out. But ultimately, I think the, the biggest thing that's, that's come out for me is that radio still has a space. It still, um, it definitely is doing the most right now. Um, I think that we are, 
in as much as there's been some fears in the past, I think we need to allay all of our fears and realize that we're here to stay. And as long Thank as we you. continue to innovate, we're good. Thank you very much. Nada, can you give us a specific example of the best new idea innovation that you've come across? You know, it's, 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 it's difficult to just pick one because all our stations have had to come up with, uh, you know, ideas on how to keep their listeners glued to their, to their radio sets and, um, you know, following them and, and following the developments that are happening around the country on their various platforms. But we've had um, a few partnerships as well with some of the NGOs that uh, we've worked with in the past and some, you know, they, they are new to our, to our um, stations. Um, there's, there's one particular bulletin that um, is on all PBS radio stations and some of our commercial radio stations, and it happens at the same time. So it's, it's more like a, a simulcast, but it's then uh, translated into different languages. Um, so it's, it's more like a, a covered bulletin where um, in like five minutes, people are given facts about, you know, what's, what's, uh, what, what the developments are. And it's, it's quite simplified, but it's credible, credible sources that are being used. And, and of course, it's endorsed by the, the UN and, um, or, or, or rather the World Health Organization, as well as the Department of Health. So, so we've really focused on, on the content on, on giving out information sure. to the audience. So it's a shared bulletin. Um, yeah. In half a minute, what is the most interesting idea you've seen? Jackie? Jackie, you're muted. Okay. Um, from Tanzania, we, our country did not go into lockdown, but uh, the, the economy went into lockdown automatically. So we've had to work like we're under lockdown. Hence, our reporters uh, developed a training tool for villagers in rural Tanzania called Village Reporting. So we'd have people from all across Tanzania reporting on the platform what's going on in their village and what's going on in their geographical locations. And from that, we were able to verify the claims and the reports that are coming through, hence run them on radio, which made it rather easier for the reporters that we're working with. Hence, that is the most innovative thing we have done, village reporting. Great. Sounds fantastic. Please put a, a, a link or uh, to where we can get some more information in the chat. Um, Nadia, can we very quickly um, hear your, uh, your clip? is Radio Days Africa 2020. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm listening all the way in from Nairobi, Kenya. How do you think just the, the internet, podcasts, vlogs, how do you think they've impacted the change in the format of, uh, of, of radio in general? Hi, this is Limbani Maxo TepTep from Tep Media. Yes, I've seen that there's need to develop people who are working with community radio stations because most of the people who are working with community radio stations, they don't have the skills despite having the talent. So we have well-talented people, but the people, they need the skills. People need to be educated, to know much about radio production, 
I think that's the only way we can develop our community radio stations. Noisy neighbors making you turn up the volume. We get it, but there's noise and then there's need. So if you hear something disturbing happening nearby, take action. Turn down your radio and turn up your attention. If you hear the sounds of gender-based violence, visit gbv.org.za or contact the GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 to report abuse or ask for help. Don't drown out the noise. Listen harder. gbv.org.za is there. If something's happening next door, nearby, or next to you, turn down your radio. Listen. Act. We'll be right here when you're done. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I think that brings us more or less to the end of, of the discussion today. Um, I want to firstly apologize for some of the technical glitches. It's uh, a new normal and we're getting used to it. Thanks for staying with us. Um, thanks to everybody's participation and also apologies for having missed out on some of the questions. We will pick up on some of the questions that we weren't able to get to um, on Twitter and in other formats. Um, firstly, let me say uh, thanks particularly to the panelists uh, from the UK, from Tanzania, from South Africa. Uh, also thanks to our backers, Conrad uh, Adnawa Foundation, Iona FM, the Abundant Media Group, RCS Sound Software, Crossfade Studios, and the NAB. I need to really say thanks also to the team that have put it all together behind the scenes. A reminder that we will be here every day um, for the rest of the month, every weekday at 2 p.m. Tomorrow's session is on I Know Corona. On Wednesday, we'll talk about local voices and the other topics you'll find um, online. All the sessions are virtual. They're all free. The details program and the registration details are at radiodaysafrica.co.za. Thanks very much. It's been a most interesting discussion. Uh, thanks for your participation. I look forward um, for, to, uh, to seeing you here again over the coming days. Thank you very much. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vix Radio Academy.